This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. This is a theme in the Torah, which is the most, one of the most troubling themes. There are certain themes in the Torah that cause tremendous anti-Semitism. And this is one of the themes in the Torah that has misunderstood and caused tremendous anti-Semitism, the hatred between the brothers, and what seems to be Yosef's uh, vengeance on the brothers. And this is something which really caused anti-Semitism along with uh, the sale of the birthright, Yaakov and Esau caused tremendous anti-Semitism, old anti-Semitism, you know, Catholic and going back to the Greeks, the Romans, where they translated Torah. These are things they couldn't understand. And according to some accounts, the Talmud says the 10 great rabbis were killed by the Romans, uh, among them Rabbi Akiva and Yom Kippur, uh, were killed because of this, the, the sale of the brothers, uh, the brothers sold Yosef. And we're going to talk about this, and we're going to see how that there are positions in the, among the commentaries that explain and try and understand what's going on. So let's go back to a few weeks ago, and we're going to work forward. Okay, we're going to go back to Parashat Vayeshev, the beginning of Parashat Vayeshev. Vayeshev Yaakov, Beretz Aviv, Beretz Kanan, Yaakov wants to dwell in securely, uh, quiet, peace and quiet, in Eretz Canaan, and land of his father, Yitzhak, and his grandfather, Abraham. And, uh, the, you know, that's interesting. Whenever a person wants to be in peace, unfortunately, there's always something that ruins it. Hashem says, it's enough for the Tzadikim to be in peace, Rashi says, in the next world. Have peace in the next world. That you want peace in this world as well. This world is not the world of peace. This world is the world of action. You have to do, strive, and act and face difficulties and grow. And that's, you know, it's so hard to do that all the time. It's just not constant. Look at Jewish history. It's constant, this whole, uh, just keeping on moving and keeping on uh, fighting and keeping on resisting and uh, all the anti-Semitism and all the persecution, horrible. I mean, we have a terrible history. We have a terrible history for the last 2,000 years or more, you know, the destructions of the temple. But tomorrow's another fast day, the 10th of Tepe, where the Babylonians, before the first temple was destroyed, smashed through the walls of Yerushalayim. Imagine they smashed through the walls of Yerushalayim. So we have our tr- troubles today, and nothing's new. We had troubles all along the way, starting with uh, with Yaakov Avinu, and uh, even before that, Yaakov Avinu is the beginning of our troubles. He had to go to Galut. He had a fight with his father-in-law. He had a fight with his brother until he got some peace, and then he. The rape of Dina, and then we have the sale of Yosef. So let's go back and talk about Yosef and the brothers. So what does the Torah say? The Torah says he was 17. That's we have the introduction to Yosef. He was 17. We know the birth of Yosef. And the Torah skips forward and tells us he's now 17 years old. He was a shepherd with his brothers by the flock. So he was looking after they had a rota system, looking after the sheep of their father, Yaakov's sheep. He had a his, Yaakov became a, a multi-millionaire yeah, in those days measured by the amount of sheep. You, you have, if you have a lot of sheep, you're rich. Okay, So richness was measured in terms of sheep and goats and cattle and uh, camels and so on and so forth. So interesting. So that is uh, the, the, the background. Our background information is Yaakov Avinu is now in Israel with his sons. They're all shepherds. They're looking after the sheep. And here Yosef is now 17 years old. And the Torah says, he was a lad. He was a lad with the sons of Bilha and lad with the sons of Zilpa. Here we have a few commentaries. So what does it mean he was a lad? I mean, that's the British translation, a lad, or he's a youth. The American translation is a youth. He was a teenager, 17 years old, teenager. And uh, he was growing up, age of 17. Yaakov was 108, hard to imagine. Yitzhak was 168 years old. And this incident occurred nine years after Yaakov returned home. So Yaakov returned home. He's faced with Dina's troubles. And uh, Leah died around this time. And uh, Hanar, yeah, uh, don't forget, Yosef never had a mother. Uh, Rachel died when they came to Israel. Rachel died. His father doted on him. His father, Yaakov, was in love with Rachel, really deeply in love with Rachel. Rachel was his main wife, the one he worked so hard for and was a trick. And Yosef was the eldest son of his beloved Rachel. Rachel died in childbirth when she had been Yamin. He was a youth. Was he a youth? So Rashi says he was dressing up, um, dressing his hair, adorning his eyes to look handsome. Rashi says, whenever it says Yosef was a nar, 
Rashi says he was looking good. He was trying to look good. He was very much into his looks. That's what we see, right? He, that, what is Rashi telling us? Yosef is very egocentric. Egocentricity and it's a start of all the troubles. Egocentricity, Yosef was very egocentric. Looking after his hair and his eyes. In those days, they would put makeup around their eyes, even the men, it seems, and just look good. Yosef liked to look good. And adorning his eyes to look handsome, Rashi says, Ramban, however, maintains it is natural to call Yosef a youth. That's what he was. He was still, he was a youth, he was a teenager. And Binyamin was still a child, and he was the second youngest of all the brothers. That's what uh, Ramban says normal. Why is Rashi telling us that uh, uh, that Yosef was adorning himself and making up his eyes, whatever? The Torah continues. He was a a youth with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. So it seems like Yosef preferred to associate with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. And Rashbam says, the, the grandson of Rashi, he says, that caused hatred with the sons of Leah. Leah's sons didn't like that. Why is he associated with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah? He's not associated with us. And Rashi, however, says, Leah's sons always slighted the sons of the maidservants of Bilhah and Zilpah. So Yosef went out of his way to befriend them. Now, that's a good point. Yosef was befriending the brothers who were out of favor. The brothers of the maids, Bilhan Zilpa. However, Ibn Ezra says the sons of Bilhan Zilpa took advantage of Yosef and they treated him like their servant, like a youth. So we have three different explanations. What does it mean? He was like a youth. Rashi says he was dressing up and looking at himself, putting on makeup, looking good, not very nice. Um, Rashbam says he was being used as, uh, sorry, Ebenezer says he's been used as a servant by his, his, his brothers, uh, Bilhan Zilpah's sons. And uh, Ramban says because he held aloof from Leah's sons, and that's why they hated him. That's one of the reasons why they hated him. Okay. Then he continues. Uh, the Torah continues. Israel loved Yosef. Israel, which is Yaakov, his name was changed by the Malach and later on by Hashem. He was... Yosef was his favorite. The beloved son of Yaakov was Yosef. And Yosef would use his status. What does he do? The Torah says, listen, it's interesting because the Torah does not spare any words when talking about the human failings of our greats. This is something which we have to stress. The Torah goes on and on stressing the failings of our great people. All our great people. The Torah stresses their failings. You know, this this is the only holy book that I know of that stresses the failings of our heroes. There's no other holy book that stresses the failings of heroes. You read other holy books, and we're going to go into details, get into trouble, but you'll see all their heroes are godlike, they're saintlike, they're prophets, they're amazing. You're not allowed to say a bad word about them. Look at the Torah. The Torah comes along, and the Torah stresses the failings of our greats. Why does that do that? So number one is it's a proof that the Torah is true. You know, any human being that doesn't have failings, is there such a thing as a human being with no failings? And the uh, Shlomo Melech says in his wisdom that there's no such thing as a person who's never sinned. There's no such thing. However, the Gemara says there are four people in our history who never sinned. Who are the four people in our history who never sinned? The Gemara says one of them was one of the brothers. Binyamin, Binyamin, can you imagine? Binyamin was one of the four. The other, the other three were Amram, the father of Moshe Rabbeinu, never sinned, according to uh, the Talmud. And number, number three is the father of David Amenach, Yishai, never sinned. And number four is the son of David. It's interesting. David is surrounded by big time uh, people who never sinned. His father, Yishai, never sinned. His son, Chilab, no one knows about Chilab, he never sinned. So four. People never sin. That's what the Talmud says. And then there's one more, which is not mentioned in that state. Uh, mentioned by Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, Yotam, Melech Yehuda. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, with the merit of Yotam, Melech Yehuda, and my merit, we could atone for all the sins of Ami Israel from the beginning of time to the Mashiach. So, and it doesn't say he never sinned, but he was a great son. So anyway, we, we're going to talk about this. And it's interesting, it's Binyamin never sinned, but Yosef is called the Sadiq. Binyamin should have been called a Sadiq. Why not? Why not uh, Binyamin? Why Yosef and not Binyamin? We're going to talk about that. But here, here we are, the Torah is stressing the failings of Yosef. Yosef was acting young. 
he was treated like a slave. He was, uh, we're going to see, he didn't hang out with the sons of Leah, hang out with the sons of Bilhah. Sons of Leah hated him. It's putting down Yosef in a sense. And uh, he brought, now we come to the, the last straw. This is really bad. He spoke Lashon Hara about his brothers. The Torah mm-hmm. says explicitly, he brought their evil reports about them to their father. So that is really a clincher. He's speaking Lashon Hara. 17-year-old Yosef is full of himself. He's looking good. Wants to get some favor, he carries favor with his father and some of his brothers. Some of his brothers hate him, some brothers don't hate him. And he's speaking bad about his brothers. Iba Tamra'a. Um, so actually says he spoke bad about the sons of Leah. That's interesting. It seems there was a tremendous rivalry between the two wives, which spread into their kids. Now, Rachel was already dead. She was dead for a long time. And so the rivalry didn't go really that far because she was already passed away. But between the sons, they inherited that rival. So it seems that that's the danger of having more than one wife. That's why today we don't, we frown. Judaism does not allow more than one wife today. And the reason is because of this, that women today, <coughs> you can see, the only people who, who had more than one wife, they all suffered. Everyone suffers, there's fights. In fact, uh, the common, the co-wife is called a tzara in Hebrew. You, know, you look at the Mishnah and the Talmud, a co-wife is called a tzara. Why? That's the, that's the, everyone knows sorrows. Everyone knows what sorrows means. Sarot. In Hebrew, sarot, troubles. A wife is called a trouble. A co-wife is called a trouble. A troublemaker. A person brings a co-wife into the family. Is asking for trouble, brings trouble, fights in the family. So it's not a good idea. And we see this explicitly in the story of Yaakov. He's the example of a co-wife. In fact, uh, Abraham also had a, uh, his wife, Sarah, and Hagar, also big fights in the family. So the Torah is telling us that having a co-wife is not a good idea. It's already, it's already giving advice, even though it was allowed. The advice was, look at the examples of the Torah and see it wasn't a good idea. And today, obviously, it's, it's been disallowed among Ashkenazim for 2,000 years since, uh, well, 1,000 years since Rabbeinu Gershom. Rabbeinu Gershom, or Hagola, who was uh, the chief rabbi of Ashkenazim, thousand years ago, approximately before Russia. So about a thousand years ago in Germany, he made this rule. He made a couple of rules. Um, and one of them is not to have more than one wife, not to divorce a woman against the will, and not to read someone else's mail. That's interesting. He made these three famous decrees, but this decree of have, not having more than one wife has been adopted today by everyone, Svartim, Ashkenazim, everyone. So that is the law. And this is one of the proofs not to have more than one wife. Anyway, so Yosef is bringing, he's telling tales. He's telling tales about the brothers, Rashi says, about the brothers from Leah. That's the bit of a animosity between the sons of Rachel and the sons of Leah. And Rashi says he made a big mistake. They were not doing these things. He thought they were. It looked like they were. And he should have given them the benefit of the doubt. Now, it's interesting because you're allowed to tell Lashon HaRai, you're allowed to speak bad about someone, to someone else who can fix their behavior. So you're allowed to tell a father that, you know, why don't you look after your son? He's doing this and doing this. Maybe you can rectify it. So it's for the sake of helping, you're allowed to say something. But And that's what Yosef thought. He thought, you know, I'm going to tell my father because my father should know what his brother, his sons are doing. But unfortunately, he mistook what they were doing, Rashi says. He thought they were doing bad things and they weren't doing anything bad at all. So, so he, that's, um, that's the problem. The problem was he spoke bad about them, but it wasn't warranted. That was the problem. He's speaking Lashon Rabbi's brothers. And then the Torah comes along and tells us another reason. And that is he got singled out by Yaakov for special treatment. Yaakov gives him his famous coat. Ketoret Pasim, which everyone knows today is uh, because of the English translation, uh, coat of many colors, but of course it wasn't. Pasim could be stripes. That's where they got the misinterpretation of the coat of many colors. But Rashi says Pasim is fine linen. It was a fine linen coat that was worn by important people in those days, a very fine, beautiful linen coat. And we find the high priest on Yom Kippur wore a very fine linen coat. Uh, One in the morning, one in the afternoon, big debate, the Mishnah and the Gemara. Which ones were more important, the afternoon one or the morning one? Interesting. But that was a very expensive linen coat. A very, very expensive linen coat. And uh, that caused even more jealousy 
Okay, so we have, so far we have a few reasons for the brothers to hate him. Number, the last reason, which is the clincher, is his dreams. Now, you got to be a little bit naive to come along and tell your older brother about your dreams, your grandeur. you got to be a little bit naive, I think, to boast. That's what he was doing. He was boasting to his brothers about his, his future. They're going to bow down to him. Eventually, he's going to be the leader. And the first dream was their sheaves are bowing down to his sheaves. They're all gathering sheaves in the field. And his, their sheaves are bowing down to his sheep. Now, it's interesting because he didn't say it directly. In other words, he doesn't say they were bowing down to him. He says the sheaves were bowing down to his sheep. Uh, so number one is, I'm going to point out, they were, they were not farmers. They were shepherds. And this is another point that no one really talks about, is the point that it irked them. Here, here they are shepherds, and he's dreaming about fields. He's dreaming about something that they don't have. He's dreaming about something beyond that. In other words, I'm not satisfied with life as it is as a shepherd, which is what we're all doing. I want to be a farmer and look after wheat. I want wheat, grain, not sheep. In other words, what you're doing is not satisfactory. I'm dreaming about wheat and fields. And your field, your wheat is going to be subservient to my wheat. That was the first dream. Okay, they get upset about that dream. Let's read it inside. Um, and this is a, another reason why they're upset. There we are. He dreamt a dream, told his brothers, hate him even more. And he tells them the dream that she's abandoned down to his sheep. And his brothers said to him, Are you going to reign over us? Would you then dominate us? And they hated him even more because of his dreams and because of his talk. So he's talking bad things about them, he's dreaming dreams of grandeur about them. And then he dreams another dream. Now, it's not enough that they hit him already. But he's rubbing it in now. He's really rubbing it in. He dreamt another dream. Could have kept quiet. Why do you have to tell his brothers about his dream? He said, look, I dreamt another dream. Now we come to the clincher. It's the sun and the moon and the 11 stars are bowing down to me. Now, who is that? Obviously, now, it's interesting. And... The, over here, we don't get any reply from the brothers. It doesn't say they hated him even more. So they didn't respond to his dream. They're ignoring his dream. They, they're giving him the cold treatment. You know, you're boasting to us all the time, and we're not going to give you the satisfaction of letting you know that we're, we're going to be subservient and we hate you. We're not going to give you any satisfaction at all. They just ignored that dream completely. They gave him cold treatment. And then what happens is, his father walks in. He tells his father the dream in front of the brothers. So the brothers are hearing the second dream twice. Not enough to tell them once. He tells them twice, and this time in front of their father. And the father is interpreting the dream in front of the brothers. And the father scolded him, Rashi says. He didn't really want to. He, he really, the father was really looking forward to the dream becoming true. He wanted Yosef to be the top. The father scolded him. And he said to him, what is the dream you have dreamt? Are we to come, me and your mother, the star, the sun and the moon, and your brothers, the 11 stars, to bow down to you to the ground? They bow down to him. They're not bowing to the sheep. They don't bow to anything else. They're bowing down to him. So the brothers now are jealous. You know, again, the brothers are jealous. They hear that second dream twice. And they hear the father's explanation of the dream, which is what they thought in the first place. They didn't want to say it. They want to give Yosef the satisfaction. But here they, they hear it from their father. It rubs it in even more. It's even worse. The brothers were jealous of him even more now, worse. So, so it's important to know that. And the father kept the matter in mind. Rashi says, the father is waiting for the dream to come true. But obviously the brothers were not waiting for the dream to come true. So now, it's interesting because this is a failure in a sense. The, the Torah is stressing Yosef's naivety. The Torah is stressing Yosef's immaturity. The Torah is stressing, he spoke like Shon Harad. It's terrible things to say about Yosef. This is one of our heroes. But the Torah then tells us the metamorphosis of Yosef. This is what I want to talk about. The growth of Yosef through all his trials and tribulations. So that is what we should all have in our lives, all the trials and tribulations we go through. We have to follow the pathway of Yosef, the Sadiq, which eventually is going to be called Sadiq. 
is the only tzaddik. Actually, there's only two tzaddikim mentioned in the Torah, the five books. The first one is Noah. Noah is tzaddik. He's the only one called specifically a tzaddik. And not only was he called a tzaddik, he was called tzaddik tamid. Yosef is number two. He's called a tzaddik. Yosef at tzaddik. We know him as Yosef at tzaddik. And it's interesting, what's also interesting is Abimelech calls himself a tzaddik. <laughs> That's a joke. Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, when he takes Sarah as a captive, he takes Sarah as a captive and he tells, uh, he tells Hashem in a dream, you know, Hashem says, you took this prophet's wife away from him. And he says, no, I didn't touch her. Please, Hashem, don't kill a righteous but tzaddik with a rasha. Don't kill a Russia. He's alluding to himself as a tzaddik. That's hilarious. Right? He kidnaps the man's wife and he says, I'm a tzaddik. I didn't touch her. But he intended to, obviously, he intended to, but nevertheless, Hashem lets him go and he gets away with it, right? He says, if you make the prophet go send her back, if you get the prophet to pray for you, uh, you're going to be healed and nothing's going to happen. Okay, so that's what he does. Sends Sarah back. Abraham prays for him and he's fine. But he calls himself a tzaddik. That's hilarious. He calls himself a tzaddik. Anyway, so it's interesting. Noach is called a tzaddik, and we refer to Yosef as Yosef a tzaddik. Now, I have a few questions. Why is Yosef called a tzaddik more than Binyamin? We already said that Binyamin was one of the four people who never sinned. Right? Binyamin, Yishai, father of David, uh, father of Moshe Amram, the son of David, Chelab, and Binyamin. Four people who never sinned, that's what the Gemara says. And yet, Binyamin is not called the tzaddik. We don't call Binyamin a tzaddik, we call Yosef a tzaddik. We're going to see... Remember that question. We're going to answer that question. So I'm going to talk about the growth of Yosef. And Yosef was not the only one who failed. Yosef was not the only one who started off as a failure. All the other brothers, basically. The failure of Reuven, the Torah says, uh, he moves his father's bed. And the Torah uses very bad language. And the rabbis say it wasn't that bad. It was, it was exaggerating. As we said, the Torah always exaggerates the faults, the faults of our heroes. The Torah is true. It's the only book, of, the holy book, which is true that talks about the faults of the heroes. Heroes in Judaism are not people who are sinless and saints, they're people who grow, right? Um, greatness is not measured by your initial saintlyhood. Greatness is getting to be good. Greatness is growing to be a tzaddik, growing. And that's what we see in these stories of Yosef and his brothers. We see them in the raw um, all their faults and the raw, Hashem brings out all their faults, doesn't mince words. Reuven, Shimon, Shimon, uh, he had terrible anger. He destroyed the city of Shechem with Levi, two brothers. They went and, and they, they killed all the, all the inhabitants of Shechem, terrible. And, uh, the faults are pointed out in bold relief, Hashem points it out. The faults of the great Shimon Levi. And we find Levi eventually does the Shuvah, and Shimon doesn't do such great Shuvah. And Shimon is the one who says, when, he's, when they see the Yosef coming towards them, he says, let's kill this man. Let's kill the dream. Here he comes. He's in our clutches. Let's kill him. So Shimon really was pretty nasty and levy, but he's a hero. So we have to understand, they went through metamorphosis. They became greats. They may not have started off so great, although a lot of people would argue and say, no, they were great. We don't understand. And yes, we don't understand. Truth, truth is, we don't, we don't understand probably the whole story. I'm going to try and explain the whole story. Why do they want to kill Yosef? We're going to, we're going to talk about that. So Shimon Levi, but it's bold relief that they're, they're murderers, they kill, they're violent people. Shimon Levi, um, Yehuda fails. He tells, he advises to sell Yosef. And, and the Gemara and the commentary say that if you advise them to take Yosef and bring him back to the father, they would have listened to Yehuda. They have so much respect for Yehuda that they would have listened to Yudha. Yudha would have said, take him back to the father. They would have listened to him. So what happens to Yehuda is, Rashi says over there, Yudha, they chucked him out. The brothers chucked out Yehuda, just like they chucked out Yosef. They said, Yehuda, you're at fault. We see our father's mourning. Look how much he's mourning. We didn't expect him to mourn so much for Yosef. It's all your fault, Yehuda. You are the one who advised to sell Yosef. So Yudah, what happens? Yudah goes, and it says he gets married, and he has two sons. Actually, he had three sons, and two of the sons die. Okay, that's a different story, which you have to look it up. Aaron Onan, famous story. They die, and now Yudah knows what it's like to lose two children. His father lost one child at his father's mourning, and now he can understand his father's perspective. It's very hard to understand other people unless you go through it yourself, unfortunately. 
the empathy only comes after a person has goes through that same thing. So a person doesn't know what it's like to lose a father unless a person loses their father. But I've done that, and it's not pleasant. And mother, even more unpleasant. And it doesn't get better, right? It doesn't that's then we understand mourning is not something easy. Because losing a son is the worst, you know. Talking about the war and and see how many lists every day that something three people today would die. Three Sadi Kim, another three Sadi Kim. But that's why we say that Yehuda only appreciated his father's pain after he had pain. I should teach the lesson. Your father, you caused your father to misery over one son, you're going to lose two sons. And then Yehuda goes and, and he fools around this woman, his daughter in law, and uh, it's another story. You have to look it up, Yehuda and Tamar. But the, the greatness of Yehuda is revealed. So Yehuda is the one who changes the most radically. What happens is, from being this charismatic leader who failed, he is now down and out, right? He's now down and out, he's thrown out, loses two sons, and his daughter-in-law is waiting for Yibum. She's waiting for levered marriage with the other son, Sheila, and he has no intention of marrying her after her other son. And she goes, dresses up, and goes through the whole story, and he has relations with her. And then they find out he doesn't know who she is. She has his staff and his and his uh, strings, whatever, his belt, and his wallet, and he doesn't he doesn't know who she is, and then he, they find out, they announce, his daughter-in-law is, is pregnant, and she must have committed adultery. And therefore, she should be, he says, burn her! And uh, she says, I got pregnant through this man, I have his staff and his signet ring, and whatever I have, his, his strings and whatever. And uh, he says, he could have denied everything that he burnt, and he got away with everything. He didn't. That was the greatest Yehuda. Yehuda was, he admitted, Odaha, Yehuda. Yehuda is thanks and admission, because you can't thank someone unless you admit that they did something good for you, which is so hard to thank someone. Why? You have to admit that you received something from them to thank them. So Yehuda, the great Yehuda, he became the great Yehuda. Yehuda was able to thank and to admit in public what he did. He admitted in public, she is more righteous than me. She's pregnant through me. I am the father of the child. Gosh, this unborn child. And he saved three lives. Why? Because she had twins. She had, he saved two children inside her and herself. So he saved three, actually three human beings because he admitted. And admitting is not easy in public. And when people, you know, he was one of the judges. Uh, they respected him. Uh, and uh, they wanted to burn her. He could have got away with it. So we find here's the minimum monsters. This is what it's all about. What is a, a, a righteous person? A righteous person is someone who not was righteous from birth, but a person who grew. That's there's two kinds of people, right? There's people who are born FFB from from birth, and then the people who are balechuva. Who's greater, balechuva or from from birth? Big debate. The Gemara, the Ramam, is Paskins that a balechuva is greater than a tzaddikim. A balechuva, person that's a shuva and grows with their own strength and their own stamina, using their own vitality. It's greater than a person who never grew, basically stayed on the same level all his life. His parents were religious, he was brought up religious, and he stayed on the same plane all his life. And then the other person is just climbing and climbing the mountain of God. And the person who climbs the mountain of God, so in other words, the person should not stay static. We should just rely, we're, we're raised by our parents at a certain level, they get the credit for that. We don't get credit for that. Okay, we do get credit for staying on the same level. That's hard as a cat. That's hard enough. But the credit, the real credit is when it's growth. So you person FFB, there's different levels of FFB. Because it'd be from, from birth and not grow. A person be fruit from birth and you say, you know what, I'm going to build on what my parents gave me. I'm going to build my mitot, which the Vulnagon says, the whole purpose of this world is to build one's character traits. To not to get angry. That's a hard one. Not to get jealous, not to yeah, to be a giver, which we're gonna see how Yosef now let's go to Yosef. Yosef, this is Yosef, the new Yosef, which we're gonna talk about. Let's talk about Yosef. We talked about the failures of Yosef, the young 17-year-old Yosef. Let's talk about the greatness of Yosef. So Yosef now is a nar, he's a teenager, and he brought he spoke bad about his brothers, he boasted about his dreams, he was playing with his hair and looking good. And they throw him in the pit. Okay, this is a turning point in the story of Yosef. Unfortunately, sometimes the harsh realities of life, the knocks, I call them the hard knocks of life, change a person for the better sometimes.
lives. And that's what happened to Yosef. Hashem is going to teach Yosef lessons, not just one lesson, many lessons. And we're going to go through, let's go through them. This is what I want to talk about. It's the growth of Yosef. We talk about the growth of Judah through the hard knocks of life again, through the outcome of his deeds and actions. And now let's talk about the greatness of Yosef, how he grew in the harshest circumstances. And this is this is why he's a real study, because he didn't grow in the house of Yaakov, which is probably easy to grow in. This father, this great righteous individual, the great father, Yaakov, who's Israel now. You have to understand, Israel means the righteous one of God, the straight one. Yashar El, the right, the straight one of God. He stopped. Yaakov has also changed, you see. That's what the Torah is all about. It's all about growth. It's all about, okay, no one's born perfect. We're not born perfect. Abraham is not born perfect. Abraham achieved what he did. Otherwise, he wouldn't get credit for it. He achieved. He, he started belief again in one God. He was uh, revitalizing the dream of Noah. Revitalizing the dream of Adam. He, he was the rejuvenator, Adam. Abraham. So he grew. Abraham grows. Yitzhak, maybe he's the one, maybe even when he grew, he went through the Akedah. He grew from his own volition. He went alone with his father, he knew where he's going and he knew and he wanted it. He wanted it. He, he was going to grow. And Yaakov obviously grew tremendously. Um, he was now able to face his enemies head on instead of telling tales and, and uh, whatever. Man, and Yosef is now going to grow. Let's see the growth of Yosef. This is what a beautiful story. This is what it's all about. Yosef and his brothers, it's about growth, about growth as people and growth as family, and growth and unity. This is what it's all about. That's what the story is all about. So yes, it does start with disunity. It does start with hatred. It does start with jealousy. But we've got to see where it's going. Where is that graph? The graph of human life. Where is it going? It's going upwards or downwards. And definitely it is going upwards. Yosef is going on an upwards path, although physically he's going downwards. And his descent was rapid, Within a day, can you imagine? He's yeah, on top of the world. His father loves him. He gave him his beautiful jacket, his beautiful coat. And he goes, and his father says, Would you go and look after you? See where your brothers are. I'm worried about them. They're shepherds. They took the sheep somewhere. I don't know where they are. I don't know if they're safe. Yosef, can you go? And Yosef says, Hey, Nanny, here I am, Dad. I'm willing to do whatever you want. Even though he knew it's going to be a bit dangerous. 17 year old boy, handsome boy, going to the wilds in the wild west. Yep. And the Wild West of those days and still is today, Wild West. And he's going towards Shechem, which is not a good place to go until uh, today. All right, Shechem, he's going towards Shechem. He's looking for his brothers and he can't find them. And he meets this strange man, which uh, Rashi says it was the angel Gabriel. And he says, You know, I'm looking for my brothers. Now, this is a very, very poignant statement. I'm looking for my brothers. I'm looking for people who act like brothers. Now, that could be a deeper, you know, the brothers, his, his so-called brothers were not real, real happy, uh, good uh, brothers to him. He's looking for his brothers, and the angel says, well, they went to Dotan. And Yosef says, okay. Now, Yosef had an excuse over here. He could have just said, I can't find my brothers. Let me go back to my father. No. This is, this is the greatness of Yosef. He's not ready to give up. His father said, look, your brothers, he's going to do the mission, even if it's going to cost him his life. He's going to go on that mission. His father commanded him, it's Kibudabayim. This is Kibudabayim, which we're going to talk about later on. Honoring his father. He loved his father. He honored his father. And his father loved him. And it was a two-way street. And Yosef is going to do this. His father's wish, look for his brothers. And he gets to the place where the brothers are. And Shimon tells Levi, he says, here comes the dreamer. Let's get rid of the dreamer. And they want to kill him straight out. And Reuben says... Why do you want to have blood in your hands? Just throw him in the pit. Okay? Now, Reuben's intentions, the Torah tells us his intentions were good. He said, listen, let them put him in the pit. And then they did walk away from the pit. I'm going to go and take him out and bring him back to his father. That was Reuben's good intentions. And the Talmud says, if Reuben knew what the Torah is going to write about him, Reuben, <laughs> Reuben would have dragged him out. No, put him, wouldn't let him put him in the pit in the first place and taking him home straight away to his father. But Reuben did he daddy. Reuben didn't have that character that ready to fight with his brothers and stand up for Yosef in front of the brothers. He wanted to do it underhand. So they put him in the pit. They'll take out the bit, bit of the fire. And when they're not looking, I'll come back and, and take him out. And when he came back, it was too late. 
Yosef is gone, and Reuben rips his clothes. He said, what am I going to do? What am I going to tell my father? I'm the oldest. I'm responsible. My father's going to hold me responsible. We see Reuben is growing already. Reuben is growing a little bit already. He's right, taking responsibility in a sense. He failed again, but he's taking responsibility. He ripped his clothes. He's doing teshuva. And as the rabbis say, he wasn't there. He went back to, to serve his father. They took turns serving their father. It was his day to serve his father. And he's going to come back and take Anyway, so let's move on. Yosef is in the pit. What happens to Yosef from the pit? Now, being in a pit, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like to be thrown in a pit. Now, it doesn't matter how deep was that pit. The Gemara says in Shabbat, when it talks about Hanukkah candles, you shouldn't light Hanukkah candles above 20 amont, which is about 30 feet. And then it says the pit that they threw Yosef in was 20 amont deep, 30, 30 feet deep. Now, that's a very big pit. And then the, the, the Torah says the pit was empty and there was no water. And the commentary is asked, that's a double negative. The pit was empty and there's no water. So double negatives, we have a general rule, double negatives are additives. That means there's something there that Torah is not telling us. And the, and the, the commentary is saying, there are snakes and scorpions in the pit. Oh boy, snakes, commentary, snakes and scorpions in the pit. And they throw him in the pit and the snakes and scorpions don't touch him. And the brothers go and have lunch somewhere. They go and eat lunch. And later on, we find out that they had lunch despite hearing the cries of their brother. We don't hear. The first story doesn't tell us that Yosef was screaming and pleading with them. Later on, it comes out. We're going to talk about that later on. We'll talk about it. But when Yosef faces his brothers, he tells them, you didn't hear his, my pleading when I was screaming out to you. That's something which he rebuked them later on. But Yosef is moving upwards. What's his move? He's going down in order to go up, you know. When I was a kid, we had an old school bus. It was a very old school bus, a 1929 model. I remember that, 1929 model bus, and the driver was probably older than that. He was an old RAF pilot with a big barrel mustache, and he was driving this old rickety bus, and on the way to school, we had this massive mountain, Highgate Mountain in London, and he would zoom down the mountain. It must be done 18, I looked at the speedometer, it's going down 80 miles an hour. The whole bus was shaking, 29 bus. And he's using the gravity, and then he can just barely get to the top of the mountain. Next, it goes down. Sometimes you got to go down in order to go up. And that's a very important lesson in life. Sometimes the person goes down, but a tzaddik never gives up. We go down, yes, life's all about going down. We've got to make sure we get back up even higher. And that's Yosef. Yosef went down, literally he went down in the pit. And then he went down in status. He became a slave. He got sold as a slave heart. I can't even imagine what that means. Here is a free boy who's the, the apple of his father's eye, who's given every luxury. And he's also an orphan. And now he's now in a pit. And now he's being sold. And the, the rabbis, I mean, the Rashbam says the brothers didn't sell him. So the brothers went to eat. And then it says the Midianites came and sold him. The Midianites put him out of the pit. And they sold him to the Ishmaelites. Oh, boy. Big balagan over here. But right. it's not easy. But the good part is the Rashbam is a country doesn't blame the brothers for selling him. And although later on, he blames his brothers for selling him. So there's a big dichotomy over here, a big debate between them. So most commentaries say the brothers sold him. But the Rashbam says, no, the Torah doesn't say that. In fact, if you look at the Torah, the Torah says the Midianites took him out of the pit and they sold him to the Israelites. But later on, when Yosef, pieces of brothers, going to see, he tells them that you sold me. He tells them all the bad things they did. He wants them to do shoot, but we're going to see it's not a it's not a case of vengeance. It's a case of Yosef is building up to put them in a similar situation. What they did to him, we're going to see how they're going to do the same thing to Binyamin. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Let's hold that. What happens to Yosef? He gets sold to Mitzrayim, to Egypt, to Potiphar, the uh, Sarah Tabachim. Now, Sarah Tabachim could be either Tabach is a butcher. Or it could be the head of the army. That's also a butcher, right? The head of the army. And so we don't know. Potiphar was a butcher. He was the head of the butchers. Let's say he was the head of the butchers of Pharaoh. That means he provided all the meat for Pharaoh's table. But he was the head of the army. A very important person. And Yosef is now a slave. And Yosef, what does Yosef do? Well, we find this all the time. Yosef, whatever, wherever he is, he makes the best of the situation. And he builds up. Yosef is making the best of the situation and is building up. He's working his way up the ranks of the slaves. Can you imagine? So he is working up from being a slave, a nameless slave in the garden or in the, in the yard, in the, in the farm, 
and he's working his way up until eventually he reaches the top. The pinnacle of slavery is the manager of the household. He becomes the manager of Potiphar's household. Why? Because he always did the best. Yosef was a person who was like oil. You put him in the water and the oil floats. Yosef always floats to the top. That's what we should always try to do in life. Whatever the situation is, make the best of the situation. Yosef makes the best of every situation. Something you can learn from the life of Yosef is, even though a person is a slave, they shouldn't give up hope. Just keep on trying and growing and make the best of the situation. Get to the top of the situation. So he's a slave of Potiphar, becomes the head slave of Potiphar's house. He's the manager of the household, unfortunately. It goes to his head. This is another problem. Unfortunately, it went to his head. And here, let's read that inside. He went to his head. And Okay. Okay. Now, Yosef, it says, what happens? It goes to his head. Was handsome of form and handsome of appearance. So Rashi says over here, he was very handsome. He also was handsome. Again, he's going back to look good. He forgot about his father mourning for him, Rashi says. And then here he's thinking about his looks. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So we see that what happened was, this is this problem with Yosef, and that's the problem with everyone. When things are good, the person's proud. The person's egocentric. The person's looking after themselves. They want to look good and feel good about themselves. Instead of thinking about other people. What about his father? His father's mourning for me. They forgot about his father. Rashi says, so straight away, he has another trial. Joseph is, where is he? He has a trial, Potiphar's wife, we all know the story. This is the reason why he's called a tzaddik. Joseph resists temptation when he's down and out. You know, it's much harder to resist temptation when a person's down and out because the root of all sin is a very important Rav Chaim Vital, who was the student of Arizal, big Kabbalist, Chaim Vital quotes, this boy of Roshek Cordovero and others, that the root of all sin is depression. It's very hard to understand, right? So you think about it. When a person is depressed, they lose their will to serve God. They don't want to try and even do a mitzvah. Why I'm so depressed, you know, everything's against me. Why should I serve God? God is doing this to me. Why? So in the roots of depression causes sin. Depression is the worst thing. We've got to keep away from depression. It's very important to be happy and all the time and doing a mitzvah. But praying to Hashem is very important to be happy and the language of the Rechaim Vital and other big Musa rabbis is that when a person does a mitzvah, they should feel like they won the lottery. They should feel like they got thousands and ten thousands of gold coins. They won millions and millions of dollars. Imagine every time a person does a mitzvah, we should be so happy as if we won the lottery. Imagine that's a, that's amazing. When I, heard, when, I, when I read this, I got I bowled over right. That here I am learning Torah in Eretz Israel, in Yerushalayim, Rakodesh, and how happy I should be. We should all be happy doing a mitzvah. Imagine we're bringing Shabbat tomorrow. We should really be happy, even though all the troubles going around us, because every mitzvah we should get, we should think like we won the lottery. Every mitzvah we do, we should, we should think we won the lottery. Really, Baruch Hashem, we're happy. We're happy with all the troubles. We're happy doing this for the serving Hashem. Because depression is really the worst thing. It's the cause of all the sins. And uh, depression leads to rebellion against Hashem. So let's not be depressed. Let's be happy. So Yosef makes the best of every situation. Even though he, he should really have been down and out. Depressed. He's rising, rising, rising. He gets to the top. And what happens is he goes to his head. And he's looking after his looks. He was handsome, just like his mother. He used the same language. Beautiful on the inside, beautiful on the outside. And then straight away, his master's wife casts her eyes upon him. And she says, I'm going to put the, this woman on top of you. Let's see what happens. Uh, and this is your punishment for trying to look good. And Yosef wins. Yosef passes the test. And now he's called Yosef Hatzadik. He, he resisted all her blandishments, even though it could have very well have succumbed. Nearly succumbed. And he gets, uh, she blames him and makes up a story and uh, uh, Potiphar puts him in the jail. Now, he doesn't put Yosef in a regular jail. Otherwise, Yosef probably wouldn't have survived the regular dungeon in Egypt at that time. He was put in the jail of ministers. If you look at the text over here, 
it says over here, he put him in a place where the king's prisoners were confined. This is, a, this is like a, a white collar jail. He put him in a white collar jail, and it wasn't so harsh. Obviously, the, the, the kind of the places was not so harsh, and he survived. He also survived. Not only did he survive, he makes the best of the bad situation again. He rises to the top of the jail. Imagine, think about this. Everywhere Yosef is, he always climbs the top of the ladder. He tries his best. Wherever he is, it's a very big lesson for us. Wherever Hashem puts us, we have to try and get to the best, make the best of the situation. He's a slave in Potiphar's house, becomes a head slave. He's now in jail. He's in jail. He's a prisoner in jail. He makes the best of the situation. What does he do? He becomes the assistant of the head jailer. The head jailer. <laughs> Imagine. Very hard. Hard to imagine. Persons always, wherever they are, in every situation, always rising to the top. That was Yosef Tzadik. He's called Tzadik. And he never gave up hope. And he's always talking about Hashem. We've got to see. We've got to talk about that. And he put the prison warden, he said, placed all the inmates of the prison in Yosef's custody. Everything that was done there, he would accomplish. The prison warden didn't scrutinize anything that was in his charge. Because Hashem was with him. And whatever Yosef did, Hashem made successful. That jail was the most successful jail. I mean, I can't imagine what that means. It's probably the most secure jail. The food was good. Everyone was looked after. And everyone was happy in that jail. However, what happened is, two people were not happy. Eventually, two people were not happy in the jail. The cupbearer, the butler of the king of Egypt, was put in jail. He found a fly in his wine. Egypt Pharaoh found a fly in the wine. And he put the butler in jail. And then the baker made a mistake. He found a stone in the, in the bread. That's a big one. He found a stone in his bread from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was enraged and put them in jail, both in jail at the same time. The head, the head, the baker, and the head butler. Oh boy. And what happened was, um, Yosef looked after them, and they were there for a few days, and then the two of them jumped a dream. Each one had a dream, and Yosef goes, It's interesting because look at the language over here. And Yosef shows empathy to them. Yosef shows empathy to people he never even knew. He showed empathy to prisoners in the jail, which are with him. Why are you depressed today? He asked them. This is, this is a metamorphosis of, of, of Yosef. Yosef didn't pay attention to his brother's feelings. is now feeling the pain of strangers. That's the metamorphosis. That's the growth of Yosef. I never felt the pain of my own brothers when I was 17 years old, but now when I'm 30 or so, I feel the pain of total strangers. That's how Yosef changed. You see the growth of Yosef. He's, re- he's resisting temptations. He's not into himself anymore. He's not as egocentric. He's not egocentric at all. He lost that egocentricity. And he's, he's explaining their dreams and he's empathizing with them. That is the revolution of Yosef. And then he tells, this is the big mistake, he tells the butler, when Pharaoh, when you remember, remember me to Pharaoh, when you get out of the jail, I predict that you're going to get out of jail. And Pharaoh, remind Pharaoh about me, tell Pharaoh about me. And what happens is, the Torah says, the butler did not remember Yosef, but forgot him. For two more years, Yosef was in jail, apparently, at Rabbi Singh failed. What he failed in, he failed in his now This is something which you must you must always, always remember, you know, right now there's a war going on and everyone's saying, you know, when will this be over? Will this be over? What's going to happen? Hashem, please help us. I'm saying it all the time, constantly. Hashem, help us. Please, Hashem. Make us victorious in this war. It's enough already. It's, it's 72 or 73 days. I've already lost, tra- lost track. And it's going on too much. The whole world is screaming at us and we're losing people, losing Sadiqim every day. We're losing trip by trip. We're losing these are the greatest people. These are young people with families and children and you know, singles with the whole lives ahead of them. And snuffed out. And all the hostages over there, Hashem should please remember them and save us. We have to plead with Hashem all the time. Please, Hashem, save us. Like you saved Yosef from the pit. That's a good one because uh, Hashem, you saved Yosef from the pit. Save all our prisoners from the pit over there in Gaza. Please, Hashem, save us. And what happened was Yosef filled in his emunah. Instead of Depending on Hashem. Now, this is very hard to do. Now, obviously, this requires a lot of, uh, this is a major question. How much do you have to help yourself? And how much do you have to rely on Hashem? So, obviously, a person's going to try and help themselves. But uh, Yosef, on his level, you should realize this is not normal. His life has not been normal. 
be thrown into a pit by your own brothers. And who are Sadiqim, by the way, these 10, well, these 10 brothers were Sadiqim, we're going to talk about. They also grew, and they also were righteous. And then being, being in, in the house of Potiphar, one of the top ministers of Pharaoh, and rising to the top, and then being thrown into a pit a second time to the jail, and then rising again in the jail is not normal. Hashem is there with him. Obviously, there's some plan. Hashem has a plan. And he should just wait for the plan to come. He's seen the plan come true. The plan is going to come true. And then finally, Pharaoh's birthday. He removes the butler from the jail. This is, a, by the way, it's the, only, it's the only birthday mentioned in the Torah. The only birthday mentioned in the Torah is the birthday of Pharaoh's birthday. You know, who cares? Pharaoh's birthday is the only birthday. Why? And what's interesting is, is a birthday something to be celebrated about or not? This is, this is a major question in Jewish philosophy and halacha. Is, uh, do we celebrate birthdays? So there's one big birthday that we should have to celebrate, and that birthday is one's 70th birthday. One's 70th birthday is a major lifetime. I'm trying to get there. Bez Radishem will get there soon. Bez Radishem, a lifetime achievement to get to 70. The person should make a party. And uh, wear new clothes, say Shechianu, because 70 is like a massive uh, success. Reaching the age of 70 is a blessing from God. Reaching the age of 70 is a big bracha. And a person should be happy. That's one of the big uh, halachas of birthdays. 70 years old, Israel will reach that age and pass them. So, how much more is 80? How much more is 90? But 70 is like a big number. 70 is a massive number. And it says, yeah. David uh, Amelech passed away when he was 70, but we should live past that. There's relationship. Get to 70 and celebrate, make a big party, and go ahead past that. But that's Pharaoh's making his party, and then he has a dream. Pharaoh has this dream. He has two dreams, and who can who can explain the dream? Okay, Pharaoh doesn't know. No, his his great man can't explain the dream, and Yosef's story. And look, look at Yosef now. This is a different Yosef. This is a de- major change. This is the growth of Yosef. The growth, the growth of Yosef, which I'm going to talk about next week. And the growth of the brothers will continue. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.